0: And welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Lisa Meisner, co-founder and CFO at Merzel. Lisa and I chat all about her co-founding journey, an interesting one to say the least, and her main motivations behind this. We discuss how Merzel was financed in the very beginning, compared to how they are financed now and the main differences. Lisa also shares her advice for other women who are interested in beginning their founding journey. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So Lisa, tell me a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, so basically, I'm the co-founder and CFO at Maison. And uh, as you can tell, my professional background, at least, is completely into finance. So I started my career a couple of years ago, originally in the automotive sector, uh, which is something completely different as what I'm doing right now. But uh, I'm sure we'll come to that later. and. Um, right now, I'm not only like the, the co-founder of Mazur, but also the ambassador of the German Startup Association. So um, I'm like fully digged into the startup scene.:
0: I love that. I love that. And just before we kind of get into the whole topic of DNI, and of course, we'll discuss it later on, um, just very briefly, because of course, from doing the podcast, I've soon realized that DNI means so much and it can mean so different to, to everyone else, right? So what does DNI mean to you, and why do you think it's particularly important?
1: um i think why it's important it's like easiest to explain by my personal experience that, that i made so um coming from the automotive sector i've decided to be part of an industry that is like mainly main um uh, male driven and yeah. i mean you basically have like this old gray white man <laughs> in front of you it's like honestly like it's just how it is like in many parts of it and if you then choose something um, specifically like finance it even gets like extreme (laughs) and what happens like many many times where that actually people in a meeting would assume that I would be the assistant and not a finance manager for example and I was like Okay, I think there's something going wrong right now, and I mean that are just some experiences that I made myself multiple times, but also I have like one example in my in my friend um, network, um, that is like really significant showing the problem. She's a doctor uh, for medicine here in Germany, and what happens is that all of the time she's like getting addressed as a uh, as a Mister. When they dry, write emails, for example, they always write something like Mr. Even though she's a female. And I mean, that shows how, um, how, what kind of pictures we have initially from what kind of um, professional backgrounds that we're having. And um, I think diversity is like the main point that we need to implement and to focus on to change that kind of, uh, yeah, visions that people have.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I saw uh, like an exercise where they asked uh, school children, uh, like draw a picture of a doctor and they just draw men. So it's like things like that, right? When you associate um, a person with a profession, um, most times it is a male or, you know, some sort of, you know, that sort of figure. So it's crazy.
1: Yes. So, I mean, obviously, diversity is a lot more than just the gender, but it starts with the gender because that's like the the... The population can be easy split into men and women. But after that, there's like so much more to come. I mean, looking onto the age, onto the ethics, um, the religion, the sexuality, like there's like so many things that you need to focus on. And my experience is that, and and I mean, there are like many um, um, studies about that, that teams that are diverse, not only in the parts of gender, but everything else, are like more successful because they are able to cover more kind of your perspectives, which is great because if you have a product that goes to a customer, there will be many perspectives. So that's what you basically need.
0: Exactly. Especially when you think about solving a problem, right? If you've got everyone in the room that knows or come from the exact same background, you're all going to go out the problem from the same angle. Uh, And that means, you know, you may not solve it in the best way possible. Whereas diversifying your team and the people there, you can solve problems so much better.
1: Yeah. So yeah. like, that's basically why it's like very important. And specifically, I'm focusing on female empowerment. So what we're doing uh, with uh, with Mesor is we're um, an, oh, enabling very small businesses founded by women as well. I mean, not exclusively, but with a focus on as well. And we implemented our own roundtable, which is called the Fempreneur Roundtable, that we host twice a year, where we invite um, up to... 30 different founders, female founders, um, into a safe space where they can share experiences to just push more female founders and push yeah, female empowerment within the startup scene.
0: Wow, wow, wow. And, you know, take us back to the beginning. I know that you mentioned that you started your career in, in finance, uh, which, like I said, is very male-dominated. How was that? And kind of tell me about, you know, before founding Mesor, tell me a bit more about your experience in the finance world. Yes. Um, so basically, before I chose finance, Um,
1: uh, I decided to go into the automotive industry because back then, like during my school, high school time and studies, um, the automotive industry were basically freedom for me. So I imagined that a car means freedom and I want to have freedom. So I go into the automotive industry. And just from the beginning, I was hugely inspired that the car is actually something that is impacting everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he likes it or not, but everybody's going to be touched by mobility and cars. And um, that was very inspiring for me. So I chose um, sh- during my studies to do like multiple internships, like at Ford um, Motor Companies, for example, but also with um, automotive suppliers in the USA. And what I found out during the time there is that all this kind of um, attributes that I was mentioning like freedom actually doesn't come from a product but rather from the way we work and so I constantly moved away a bit from the automotive industry and what really made a change where I started at um, um, uh, Daimler uh, Mercedes-Benz daughter company uh, which was called Ambition and I was part of one of the first employees so number, I would say 10, 15, something like that. And we ramped up the company within one and a half years to 250 employees. And I was part of the finance and the administration team. So I basically ramped up all this kind of processes, but also not finance, but also HR, infrastructure and everything that comes with it. And what I found out is that I'm... Not passionate about mobility, but rather about speed and building a company and uh, having growth, generating growth, generating a product. That's something that's really, truly um, motivates me. And uh, when we became like the size of 250, (laughs) I was also um, the the, um, uh, responsible person for guidelines. And I knew that there were more and more guidelines coming from Mercedes-Benz, obviously, which totally makes sense. But I found out that my sweet spot definitely is like in a company where I do not have as much guidelines, but more freedom to just grow wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, that was basically like the point where I decided to um, yeah, switch. And what happened was that basically at the same time, um, my parents were co-accidentally one of the first customers of Mesor. And that's such a funny coincidence because my mom... We're living in, German, in uh, Cologne in Germany. And she just drove one weekend to Berlin, saw a pop-up shop and bought like this little key charm. And she gave this key charm to my father. And Then I, on Christmas, thought, okay, well, that's a cute idea. That's a cute product. Let me check this out. I don't know this brand. And I Googled Mesoa and found this very cute website for personalized leatherware. And then I th- um, saw an application for a co-founder and CFO position. I was like... Okay, well, that sounds interesting. And I think there's like, much that you could do. And um, I decided to actually apply. And then I applied for the co founder position. And um, yeah, from there, it actually starts.
0: Wow, wow, wow. And let, let's go back back a bit, because you mentioned that you, you realized you like the freedom uh, in Daimler or in that part of the, the kind of working world. But of course, in those sorts of companies, there's, lack of, there's a lack of freedom. When did <laughs> <you kind> of, <laughs> I hope so. When did you kind of think about, hey, maybe founding a company is probably the best step for me? Like, what did you what were your motivations? then? of course, I know that you came across Mezzo in a very peculiar and very authentic way. But when did you realize, OK, maybe founding a company could be a good idea for me? Or being part of the company in yes, that area. I mean, yeah, exactly.
1: Because founding a company actually always was an idea. So already doing the studies, I was thinking about ideas. And I always came to the point that I don't have, like, the idea that's, like, the game-changing thing. And it's going to be a unicorn. I never had this. And I mean, to mention, with my finance background, I'm obviously also not, like, this kind of crazy uh, idea guy that has, like, I, I mean, I'm not, like, the creative Person. So I always had um, troubles to imagine that the idea that I'm having is like the next shit. And so I didn't do it. And what was like very uh, sad is that I had a business plan during my studies about an app for HR and I didn't do it because I wouldn't believe too much into it. And a couple of years it went like the, the same idea went super successful here in Germany. And I was like, damn, that's like stupid. And so I basically was open to found something, but I realized that I do not need to be like the initial founder, yeah. but that I can also join.
0: Wow. Wow. And that's so interesting. Cause I'm sure there's probably so many other people out there, men, women, whatever, that probably have that idea to want to be at that kind of early stage in a, in a founding company, but don't have the, the kind of creative side. I mean, I could imagine me being like that as well. So yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. And then... Um, Talk me through the application process, because again, when you when we spoke about that before, I was like, how, I always imagine being a co-founder means you have the idea, you start it from scratch, and, and that's how it works. I can't ever, well, I've never seen an application for a co-founding role, so that's quite interesting. <laughs> so,
1: well, so, uh, honestly, I've never seen someone as well. <laughs> I never met anyone that has like this kind of... Okay, story. cool. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's actually a very fun story, because, um, I mean, the step applying away from the automotive industry was actually a huge step for myself because I've prepared my entire career being in the automotive and I've achieved like a very nice level and had like very good career options afterwards. So I was like on a safe space and then deciding to even apply for a startup was like, okay, what am I doing? Is this correct? So what actually happened where I were, I thought I think three weeks I took like the time and always saw a job description and thought about it. And it really took like time to getting warm with the idea of even applying. So it took me quite time. And I was thinking like the, the company through and I talked to my family and my boyfriend what they are thinking about this company. So at the time I applied, I was mentally already like, um in because I thought so much about it and then so I took like the time and I wrote my CV and made it like very performal send it to like the the um, a job email address and then actually nothing happened and I was like okay <laughs> I was like honestly okay no that, it, it can't be it because it must be a match I, I'm like so sure it's it fits like the description fits so good and I like the company so much so um I thought okay well maybe like um Applying through email is like not proper for a startup. That's what I thought. So <laughs> I uh, decided to go like stalking the co founder on several social media platforms and then s- talk to them on like, um, applied via LinkedIn and Xing as well. And I mean, after being like so, um, annoying, I would say <laughs> she definitely came back and it turned out that she was just like, um, the only one in this company so far and doing like everything herself. And obviously, if you're doing like everything from marketing to finance, to the product development, um to the launch of the new website and everything like by yourself, then you most of the time don't have the possibilities to answer every email and you probably don't even see it. So it was more like a, um, um yeah, <laughs> it wasn't her uh, intention to not answer. And so we basically then, met and um well our first meeting was actually like in a coffee place here in Berlin and um from there on it was like we saw each other we spoke and it was like okay it's a match it's gonna work out we both had like an incredible good feeling and what we did afterwards were um we um organized a couple of uh, workshops together and I remember her setting all this kind of invas- uh, invitations on Sundays for example like blocking the entire Sunday just to see if I'm like willing to work on a Sunday um, and she was like kind of testing me um, <laughs> I was okay that's like really no problem at all because I love working I'm I've used to work on weekends and later yeah. I don't that was like no no worries <laughs> that's no problem and during the workshops, the main focus was on uh, figuring out whether we share, like, the same vision, if we have, like, the same attitude and work, like, uh, have the same ideas for Mazor and the journey. And, um, yeah, it basically turned out, yeah, we do have. And so we decided to um, intense the work together into, like, a, I don't know how you call it in English, like, it's prohibition time, probably. Um, yeah. Um, sure. That were basically, what's it, Two months where I was then working um, like just on a voluntary basis to get the company and to you know and it helped me actually also to make my decision because I mean um, I so far I told you that I applied but also afterwards to be really become a co-founder I bought myself shares and I mean taking a loan and buying shares from a company in this stage is kind of risky so it was very important for me to not only get to know her and then say okay here here's my money take my money I don't know you would take it um but need really to understand like the financials where is she at what's the real thing about it so it was like both sided to get more security I mean it's like hard to say security in this kind of field but um, yeah yeah that was, like basically the process
0: Yeah, that's really interesting as well, because I think, you know, when you do found a company and and with someone else, it is somewhat like a marriage, right? You have to make sure you're both on the same page. You're both going to not work the same, because I think opposites do attract in in all aspects of relationships. But yeah, I guess the workshops you did really helped you both to see, is this actually going to be a great fit? Or is it, you know, is it going to work long term? Or is it just like a a little fling? (laughs) Yes. And
1: for us, it was like really important that everybody, that we... Basically complement each other. So she's responsible for everything that comes with creativity, marketing, branding, the product, and then I take over as soon as it comes to internal processes, structures, financials, HR, uh, IT, for example, but also like the the techno how I'm usually managing. So um, we're complementing each, but we're sharing like the same values, and we're sharing we're sharing like the same kind of humor and. and that's that's actually very important and that also allowed us both to be like quite free because we are like in the lead for several topics we're not fighting yeah marketing strategy because she's the lead for marketing strategy if she decides i obviously have my feedback but if she decides then she can go and the same applies for me if i want to uh, change something within the communication in the company or that kind of stuff
0: yeah no totally and you mentioned that you you of course thought about it a lot before even applying right uh, and also I'm sure during your probation so I'm guessing you probably had a few reservations uh, about going for this what were they and I guess why how did you kind of overcome the reservations that you may have had because I'm one of those people that will probably talk myself out of what you did so I'm wondering how you managed to just go for it.
1: Um. Yeah I mean I didn't or I mean, there are like so many reservations that you are having. But I was mainly focusing on there is like this chance right now. And if it fails, then I, I'm i like young enough to start again. It's not going to be like a huge problem for my career if I fail. And also um, like taking the loan and buying myself in. I thought, okay, if that's not going to work out, then it's basically like a highly paid experience, but it's not compared if you study in the USA, for example, and you end your studies and have like 200,000 of uh, debts that you need to f- work off. So um, I always took like this example where, okay, compared to a US student, I'm like still on like, a very good level. And if a US student is able to uh, pay back this huge alo- uh, loans, and then I will also be able to deal with the uh, um, loan yeah. taking off. And so um, I basically were focusing on this idea and I was not looking on the negative things, but more on the positive things, like what's what what kind of indicates that it's going good. Yeah. And yeah.
0: And I guess weighing up the pros and cons, right? Because, yes, there may be there's there's going to be cons and negatives for everything. But if the pros do outweigh and it does do amazing, you know, look how great it could actually be. Yes yeah yeah and I guess what's it like being a you know being a co-founder or having a co-founder what's the biggest challenges or or what's kind of the biggest benefit of of doing it with 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 two people right how have you found that part
1: (laughs) oh oh yes I did because um I mean (laughs) what did fit me into the automotive industry were that I was like a single fighter myself my entire life so I was basically this kind of kid in the school that was doing all the work did it myself uh not really a group player so that's me and when i met stella um it changed because what i learned were that we were much much more stronger together and that was an experience that i never made in my um, life before so basically the work with my co-founder stella really made me turn into a team player because we are like like so strong together because she has different ideas I have different ideas and she's basically the one who has like a thousand ideas she comes every every day she's like okay let's do this let's do this and I'm like not this kind of guy so I'm always saying nope 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 and at some point I'm saying yeah yeah that that sounds great and then it works so that's like basically like the secret sauce of us that she's always giving in like crazy ideas and at probably one percent I'm saying okay let's do it and then uh, it works out and I think that's like, that's really, really nice. And um, also, what we experience is that during the years of being a co founder, you definitely have your ups and downs. I mean, it's like a very emotional topic. Uh, sometimes something happened, or you get like bad feedback that then still touches you, for example. And what we experience is that usually never two people are affected the same. So if I'm having like a bad day, it's not very realistic that Stella has like on the same degree the bad day. So usually one of us is like above. And yeah. so this person is able to really help the other person to overcome it. So yeah. whenever someone is like, yeah, feeling bad, then the other one can cheer up. And also if it's like If you're too cheered up, then you're losing, like, the ground. (laughs) So the other person can, like, pull you down and level it. So we're taking care of each other that we're, like, on a very healthy level to um, create
0: growth. (laughs) yeah, I guess that's the main benefit, right? Because like you said, right, there's never, or hopefully there's never going to be a time that you're both having a terrible day. There's going to be at least one time where one person's okay, one person is is absolutely amazing. And I guess that's the real benefit, right? It's not that the business will suffer when you're both down because there's not going to be a time where that's going to be the case. Exactly. And honestly,
1: um, and I never expected me saying something like that, but I don't see any negative aspects of having a co-founder. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend finding someone um, that is with you in this kind of journey because there are like so many experiences that nobody of your friend zone and network can share. Nobody knows this feeling. Nobody is like really responsible for employees in this kind of degree. Because, for example, if a financing round fails, then you have to deal with uh, insolvency, but also, I think it was pronounced wrong, but it doesn't matter, insolvency, but also. Um, um firing like the entire team and losing uh, like the foundation of your work so that's like some kind of stress usually nobody has even if they are like managing people in their companies they have to risk their own financial um wealth but also like they, they do they have nothing to lose besides losing their job and finding a new one which is like very good compared to you have like a huge amount of loans you will have to uh maybe be suited <laughs> and that kind of stuff
0: yeah no definitely definitely and keen to kind of go into the finances of course not too much on the details but i know that when we spoke last time you said that you bootstrapped myself which you know is is incredible um how was this and and kind of yeah talk me through the process of that and and how did you find actually like using your your physical own money for for that yes
1: um so as mentioned we um I took a loan and Stella herself as well uh, to give all our private money into the company and so we decided to bootstrap first and um, we bootstrapped the company for over two and a half years. and during the time, for example, we never paid uh, each other any kind of salary. So basically what we did were whenever we had like money left, we decided to onboard a new team member, like a, a intern, for example, or a working student or uh, like a um, um, temporary staff, for example. And what also was part of that was that we started our journey as D2C brand for personalized leatherware, And... After two and a half years of bootstrapping, we said, okay, now we have like this kind of data amount to analyze. And what we found out were that basically 70, almost 80% of our customers were buying our products as a gift. And so we saw, okay, then it probably doesn't really make sense to stick as a brand, but rather open up our established brand, sharing the same values to a marketplace for gifts. Yeah. And so we decided to go to the next level. And when we decided to think bigger, let's say that and um, involve into a marketplace, we decided to also um, invite investors to push this growth. And that was basically the time when we then started our first financing round. And first of all, we onboarded business angels and then we found um, um, institutional investors.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess from your side, why did you opt against raising funding in the very early stages on the very beginning? Did you, I mean, do you not, do you regret doing it, not doing any sooner? Yeah. Why did you go down the bootstrap route? Yes. Um, I mean,
1: <laughs> starting with your second question first. Yes. I wish we would have done this sooner. Okay. <laughs> a lot. That would have saved us so much long learnings. Yeah. But um, I'm still proud that we're having them and I think right now it's like a huge benefit that we have them so I don't regret anything but i would have done it sooner and why we didn't initially were that we basically were not enough in this setup scene i would say so i mean coming like from this very established financing world my perspective was mainly focusing on um growing through our own cash flow at the same time as taking like loans from banks so we really had to slowly get into the vcs because back then we had like it's like if you google oh what are the financing options for uh, startups and you obviously find also investors but if you don't know this kind of part and you know all the other parts then it's like much more convenient to go with the parts that you know and so um, we were focusing a lot on extending our liquidity, um, growing through our cash flow, trying to um, negotiate like our payment terms, for example. And we were like really looking on every cent and um, trying to get the most of, out of it. And I think that is actually a, um, um, a attribution that's like very strong of us that we know how to do this. But it also takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of speed, which you need at the beginning. And yeah. that's the reasons why I would say, okay, it might have been better to get investors on board earlier. And back then we really had to get or earn every kind of learning ourselves. Yeah. I mean, at some point you're always doing things the first time, like shipping something without a, out of the EU, for example. and. Right now, it's just a call away. I just need to call one of our investors. He probably knows someone or has done this with other portfolio companies, and then it's gonna be solved. So it's a matter of a day. And back then it sometimes took like a week or so to figure something out and wait until feedback. So it's definitely like a booster to have an investor on board and not only financially.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what's been the main benefit since having invested on board? And and I guess, yeah, why why do you kind of like it? Not <laughs> why do you like it now? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, what's been the main benefit and and also what's changed? Like what's really changed for you?
1: Yes. I mean the real benefit is that it allows you to give speed. Yeah. And you have much more rooms for learnings. And this kind of learnings allows you to create better products, my assumption, at least in a short time frame. You could probably get the same results on a long, long vision if you bootstrap it, but it takes much, much longer. And um, that's basically the main benefit. I mean, having like speed, but also the network that comes with it, that is definitely, that's very important. And what has changed, um, there are several things. Obviously, the kind of um, vision that you are having is also shaping together with the investors because obviously investors are not giving money as a bank to share like this, Hey, you can do like your own business and it's going to be like a small, small sized, cute business in the heart of Berlin. Um, But actually, that was never like the approach that we were going for. So, that were fine for us. But we um, are also considering like what kind of needs are investors having? Why are they investing? What kind of return do they want to have? Yeah. Can we get there? So, that is actually a thought that after having investors on board was implemented also in our view. And Actually, I like it because the main message is go big. <laughs> yeah.
0: so. you that extra push to, of course, not to just please the investors and get them a return. But of course, the better they do, the better you do. Because of course, you benefit from that as well.
1: Exactly. And you really get encouraged to think bigger. And that's something, I mean, I think being careful, but many women are like always um, going too low with their visions and saying, okay, no, that's going to be enough. Or no, that's, let's get there and then look from there. No, like with investors on board, it's like go big or go home. And so we really started to become bullish about our idea. And it always gives like such a great energy and such a great motivation because it's like back then we were like, okay, we want to become like the number one in Germany for uh, personalized leatherware, which is like very small niche. And now we're like, okay, let's become like the number one in Europe for the entire gifting process. It's like a totally different (laughs) approach with the huger market and it's so much more fun. So...
0: Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned there that, you know, it, it, not all women, but in, in some cases, right, women do kind of shy away from that kind of bigger picture or the bigger goal, they kind of aim small. And I think that is the kind of whole point of entrepreneurship, right? You aim big, you you want to kind of not make as much money, but that's, that's why people go into this. So why do you think women, you know, do shy away from from aiming big and, and kind of entrepreneurship as a whole?
1: Yes, I mean, I think I think that it's basically several aspects. Um, yeah. One thing definitely is that you don't have like this kind of huge role models in the scene. We have like some specific ones, but like not as much, not like as implemented and deeply rooted as male. I mean, for example, talking about Elon Musk or yeah. Zuckerberg and that kind of names that's, or uh, the founder of Microsoft and that kind of stuff. It's always male. So you are basically used to it that it's like not part of, that's not part of your vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not part of a story and that needs to change. And uh, I think the next thing about it is that like all this kind of um, having like um, a family as well, combining it with like a startup definitely also is challenging. So if you plan a family, then you definitely need to cut down several um, needs yeah and yeah that's I mean looking on the convenience a decision that you need to do, and for example, I personally decided not to uh, create a family, even though I'm getting married <laughs> to my uh, future husband, which I'm very happy about. um I decided to not get a family because I've for myself said okay, it's like I never could um be enough for both because yeah. I mean it's not not a secret. you do not work forty hours. As a founder, I'm like so far away from those kind of 40 hours that even if I would do part time, then I maybe would come up with 40 hours, which probably doesn't help a child. That's like, um, yeah. And last but not least, and I think that's actually one of the um, most important things it that the access to funding, especially through VCs, is like super limited. And um, we do not have many, um, female founded, um, VC-funded, well, that were, like, many Fs, startups. So, I mean, if you see, like, the statistics, at least for Germany and the Dach region, only 1% of the VC funds goes into female founders. 1%. And that's, like, basically nothing. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. talking about larger tickets, like, not 10,000, but up, I, I think, 500K, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the topic of motherhood and funding are the most the the most prominent reasons. I think why why many women do not shy away. I mean, the topic of motherhood. I I also couldn't agree more. I mean, I don't. I'm not a founder myself, and I I I I probably work forty hours, probably more. And I think how how the hell am I meant to also be a mother and also be a good mother? Like, how do you get home and you look after the kids and make dinner? And like, how do you, you, you something has to give, and and that decision is 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 hard, right? Um, yes. So, yeah, I think
1: actually, I mean, I've seen like many, many examples where it turns out very good and it is possible. Um, so I definitely encourage everyone, also mothers to found. But what you definitely need is a totally different kind of security net. So, yeah. your partner, for example, definitely also needs to step back and you need to have like thousand plan, A, B, T, C, whatever to have things covered because there are moments where it like really burns within your company but also at home and you cannot be firefighter on two kind of locations so um that's like um one challenge and it's it's solvable but you it takes a lot of work and i think that is one of the reasons why many um women are saying okay well then i won't do it which is sad because you can do it but it definitely takes a lot of effort and organization and um, I mean one goal is to um, create a company as soon as possible that is stable enough to give you the freedom that actually helps you being a mother because that's actually a huge con of founding your own um, uh, company is that you can give yourself freedoms and um your 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 um room that you wouldn't get in a corporate like for example just deciding to uh, uh, spontaneously reschedule everything and take off the, the morning or say okay I'm going to work from wherever because I've got my kid with me or taking the kid with you um yeah. taking it to work that are like all options that you can ge- give yourself being a founder and so it has like a lot of um positive yeah. aspects as well but you
0: Hundred percent right. I think that that's one of the main the main kind of positives, right? You have so much flexibility. So you can you can, you know, do everything. You can be a mother and you can say, Hey, I'm gonna, you know, take the kid to school, whatever. Um, but equally that that can be quite tricky and and, and the financial side as well is equally as important because you still want to be able to provide for your family. And you know, for many it may not be the the kind of option that they have a partner that can support the family and they can kind of then do what they do what they need to do for the company so yeah that that side is fun but then I guess on the other side the funding side like one of, percent of VC funding goes to females like that is that means I'm not I'm not a mathematician but 99% of, of funding goes to male founders and that in itself is 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 like shocking that all of that funding goes to male founders
1: yes um I mean we have like I don't know have the percentage I think it's like 15% going in diverse teams and the rest goes to male founders just to have like the numbers right but um, yeah. I mean it's still a lot and I mean it comes from basically that many investors are also male themselves and yeah. they usually invest into products that are more easy for them to understand I mean one one example that I uh, just heard in my in my startup network it's I mean it's kind of sad but also fun is we had um a female founded company that were producing um, um products for um for the period and so they pitched this kind of product um to the investors and they said okay how many people are using something oh, for and we we're like <laughs> and when i heard this is like hmm, maybe half of the." Population that we're having, but no worries, the market is not going to be big enough. Yeah, there's not for that. There's no market for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a problem nobody has. Nobody knows. Period. What's that? Yeah. Um, so, and I mean that's just a very good example that makes it so easy accessible. What's the main problem? I mean, yeah. So we definitely need to work on having more diverse uh, investors with more perspectives and i think it's it's slowly getting better it's slowly yeah. also looking onto the ma- numbers you can see that it's slightly increasing but it's like so super slow
0: yeah. um yeah, yeah. And it- you're right it does take changes like that it does take having more female investors it does take having more female vcs and more more females at the table when those decisions are made because then it's not you won't have those questions like oh how many customers do you think you'll have with that product like that is such like it's funny to look back at that now but you're now i'm not thinking like are you blind to the fact that you know there's half the population that can then use that product like that that in itself is crazy yeah and i mean there might be
1: reasons why other reasons why they wouldn't invest that's totally fine but just like this kind of questions shows that sometimes they are not able to lose their own perspective and obviously i'm happy for them that they don't need to have have period things so uh, lucky for them but um that's just not realistic and i mean we also had like with with the um gifting we also had like a very female topic Right, because gifting is something females care about and many men are like okay i don't care i just want to have it solved yeah. or yeah. calling like the girlfriend hey can you help me with a uh, gift yeah. and so we also had like many uh um feedbacks at the beginning like okay gifting why is that important who's going to be there like they're like questions where like okay basically you gift like, every occasion but okay and that has um, changed during the time and I think that's just something um, that's not only in the startup scene but in general that you have like we need more diversity that's it more diversity in different fields and then it's going to be more easier having funding but also um, yeah being like uh, rewarded for your expertise I mean for example we were asked if uh we would or we had one investor that would only like to invest if we would onboard a male co-founder and we were like okay is this kind of kind of sort of criteria when you onboard male startups do they always need to get a female co-founder if i look to your portfolio i don't see that and that's like so i mean we're open for every kind of gender or whatever but we wouldn't choose a co-founder specifically because it's a male it's
0: like yeah it's stupid that's crazy and I guess from your side of course you've been through the experience yourself you're a female founder you've been through the funding you've been through so much of that kind of founding journey um what advice would you give to other women who are maybe interested in founding their own company but they're just not too sure where to start um, what would that, if you wish, if you kind of look back and think, I, I wish someone would have told me this, what would that be?
1: <laughs> I mean, there is, there will never, ever be like the perfect timing to start your yeah. own company. So that's basically why I would say, don't wait, just, just do it and solve the problems along the process. Um, I mean, women and also myself tend to be like very perfectionism. So yeah. Trying to always have everything cleared and have a plan, everything is organized, and that won't work in a startup environment. (laughs) At least not if you have like ten plans, because everything changes so fast. And I quickly learned that it's so much better to being out with like an 80% solution and then developing from that with the customer together and finding a new way, rather than starting with a 95 or 100% solution, which is probably overthought and also Far away from the actual customer needs. And we started, and that's like the best example. We started as a D2C brand for um, Uh, um, personalized leatherware, involved into a marketplace, involved into a B2B SaaS solution that automizes the entire gifting process for corporates. And you can see (laughs) that a huge involvement. And that's just something we have achieved because we were like very open and flexible and just open for the journey and didn't stack too much on the on the product. And if there's something you want to do and you're just not share how to start, then start with one thing, building your own network. That's like so super important. And there's like, no, you do not need to wait for anything. You just can go to a startup event, connect with other founders, um, Go into groups, go into LinkedIn groups, um, join an accelerator program. I mean, that's like things that are like really low hanging fruits and yeah. a network. It's going to be essential if you really want to grow your company. So start building it and you might get hooked from the energy and then everything yeah. forgotten.
0: I guess the networking thing is so important, right? Because that's where you could meet your co-founder. Like those, those are where your ideas may may kind of come to. So yeah, I could definitely and also just do it right. I think we think about it too much. I'm yes. one of those people. Just go for it.
1: And I mean, you can see it with Stella. She's she founded Mezzo during her studies all by herself because she wouldn't find the perfect co-founder. And she said, "Okay, I won't wait until I get someone. I will yeah. just start and be open to join and invite someone in. And then, yeah. I, there really is no reason not starting today." There's no reason. Just do it and be open to change and to adjust and then it's going to work out.
0: Yeah, I mean like anything, there's never a good time for anything. It just happens sometimes. It just
1: happens and it's so much fun. So I personally really love it so much. They're like definitely hard times but they are also rewarded big times and just having like this um, environment where you're building so much it's It really gives you a lot of things back. It's just, and what um, motivates me most is we are spending like the most time of our life at work and being able as a founder to really create the structure and work atmosphere and work culture for my team members feels so super um, empowering for myself yeah it's also my way to contribute to the society because I can really have an impact with on people but also on the environment on the um, business in Germany so it's you really can have impact
0: wow wow honestly and and like I said I think it's been such a great I mean I'm sitting here learning from you Lisa so honestly thank you so much for for your time and and for your effort and for sharing your insights I'm sure everyone will, will love this episode
1: thank you for having me it's such a fun. Thank